Cool. Yo. Yo, team. So, today, we've got an absolute legend himself, Simon, Simon Hope, on the pod. And we met, we met years ago, actually, on a night out, which, yeah, with an old friend of mine. Um, how many years ago was that? A while ago. Yeah. It's been <laughs> seven, eight years ago, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. Just a random night out. And then... Good old disco. Good old Marisco disco, if you're familiar with that. And then um, we actually met again very recently, um, within the last year, at a men's group that we both were part of, or are part of. Um, we've just kind of rekindled that again now as well, the Mindful Men. Um, and yeah, connected really well, had some good chats about, you know, ourselves, our past, our thoughts on life and, and all that jazz. Um, so thought it'd be awesome to connect here and chat about certain things. Like Sai so used to, you know, he's always been a very adventurous guy. Um, so we share that value there. Um, he's played very, very high level football. Um, he's been through therapy and counselling like myself and has a lot of um, good wisdom that he's kind of developed and found out about himself through that and his life experience. Um, and so, yeah, I think it'd be really, really good and insightful for Sai to uh, come and chat about, about himself, his life and um, what he does for work now and almost like his future vision with um, the co-steering work that you are doing. Yeah, definitely. And how that's going to help people's mental health. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's the idea. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Amazing. So yeah, mate, just cool. Far so, away. Yeah, I mean, you summed it up pretty well there. Um, yeah, always been adventurous since a little kid, really. Um, like we were chatting about a minute ago, I had a pretty good childhood some traumatic times in there that perhaps at the time you don't realise. And then similar to listening to your your podcast and your story, um, was lucky enough to play a, a good level of sport, like football, and got a lot of validation through that, that I perhaps wasn't getting from a, a role model in my life that should have, which is, is, was my dad. Um, and then from that, sort of leading up to mid-twenties, that was sort of what governed my life really, was like yourself, getting that validation in sport, which I enjoyed. I, I played a good level and played all over the country, played in some good matches and some finals and, and won some stuff and things like that and mm. didn't realise until I met my now wife how much it was dominating my life and how much I was relying on that for my happiness. Um, she woke me up to that by coming to watch one game called me an absolute prick <laughs> so she's never coming again <laughs> you told me that story yeah 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 because i'm pretty pretty mellow generally until across that across that line mm. even in the change room before games i'd always be quite quiet and quite reserved and then yeah i don't know just wanted to win at all costs uh-huh the inner animal came out yeah which again i guess looking back now was was some of the trauma coming coming out in in certain ways mm-hmm. um my dad was a professional footballer as well so there's some of that in there where I was always craving that yeah almost like trying to live up to yeah that yeah and I guess like you said that validation coming from 
your dad by mm. being good at good at football. Yeah, and I can relate to that in terms of, you know, like I, like you mentioned, <coughs> and I said in my first podcast, like I can relate to having to be good at things. Yeah, for people to then tell me I'm good at things, so yeah. that then I can feel validated. So looking yeah. outside of ourselves. Yeah for that validation otherwise. and even going on from that like same as you with sport there's the whole party side of it as well so we play Saturdays for example kickoff is what I don't know it's 2, two o'clock or 3 o'clock depending on the time of the year mm. so Friday night we'd be staying eat well because um, I was getting paid at the time so that was part of it training all week building up to it which I, I loved all that that was good to be around mostly good guys and stuff like that felt good to be pushing each other to play better and mm. keeping fit and all that sort of stuff and then yeah once the game's finished win lose or draw straight on it and on, on the pints yeah <laughs> <laughs> all, through, all through the night and then obviously some relationships that yeah give you that validation as well while you're out and then you wake up on Sunday feeling like shit mm. normally pretty mm. hungover sometimes not sure who that person is next to you okay which is <laughs> was a bit scary uh-huh and then yeah like back to and then Sunday feel pretty rough and then it's Monday back to work that sort of thing and again meeting Sammy just kind of wake me up she'd come back from uh, Australia she'd been in Australia for a year Mm. when she was 18 and I met her when she was 19 and I was just like wow 19 year olds we've been around the world and I'm 24 at the time Mm. still been in Bournemouth thought I was enjoying my life and I was but it was just like okay there's definitely more to this than I realised and that was about the same sort of time that I qualified as a plumbing and heating engineer so that took like four years um, and I was remember being on do it like probably spent six months doing my own jobs like where you just get like that's quite scary going from an apprentice to an engineer where you're always mm. with someone and you've always got that person to lean on and I was lucky I had a couple of good teachers in that but one of them was actually my best man at my wedding and he's like 12 years older than me Really mm. good role model, actually. Yeah. And then, yeah, I remember him dropping me off going, cool, this is your job, mate. And I was like, what? Where are you going? <laughs> Thrown in the deep end. No, right? no, don't go. <laughs> <laughs> and I did that, well, probably for like a year or so and started to gain that confidence. And I remember being on a big job and there's a build on there going, oh, mate, you're set for life now. This is you, like, you're doing a good job. You're finding your feet, all that sort of stuff. It's quite a high-end job in Bournemouth. Yeah. I remember driving home just thinking, what? what do you mean this is it? But for like the next 40 years, I'm just going to be doing this. Mm. Sat with people that perhaps I don't vibe with that much. Yeah. And it's all, and he was like, yeah, just think of all the money you're going to make. You're never going to be out of work. Always need plumbers, which is all true. Yeah. And works for some people. But that was about the same sort of time I met Sammy. And the same sort of time I didn't realise at the time I was getting over football. Yeah. And some of the toxic stuff that was coming from it, like the nights. I mean, nights out are great. And we all have a night out, especially mid twenties with your mates and yeah. pre sessions, and, uh-huh. and it's such a good laugh. But yeah, there just wasn't anything deeper, mm. I think. And then that summer, me and Sammy went to Greece and Italy for six months. We'd only been together a few months, and she obviously was travel bug. And I'd started to think about it a little bit. I'd done loads of lads holidays and stuff like that, which were great. And then yeah, it just blew my mind really, mm. like, like the traveling and yeah, seeing the world and yeah. Different cultures, yeah. the freedom, the freedom to like step away from football and plumbing and just be like, I'm off. Mm. I was like, Ooh, 
Yeah. Got no responsibilities. <laughs> this is wicked. Got, got the bug. Yeah, big time. Yeah. And, and then came back from that and it was pre-season and I went to two sessions and I was like, no, I'm not feeling this. Mm. And we just won the league and the cup double. Mm. And I was like, I'm done, mate. To my manager and he was like, what? <clears throat> How can you be done? Like, you've got teams that want to talk to you and stuff like that. Not any crazy level, but maybe a league higher or whatever mm. but I was like no I'm done I just wasn't into it anymore mm. which is a real shock for me yeah seems like a shock but also like really takes a lot of courage to <clears throat> realise and know that yeah what's working obviously working well mm. for you in terms of that success and that validation yeah. and um, also that you know like you mentioned earlier the team camaraderie yeah it's great but you know, you realise and you notice. This is what I found: that if you're in an environment with with that, but it's not quite aligned with who you are yeah. or your values. Yeah. Eventually, you have essentially you just you've had enough of it. Yeah. You get to have enough of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you just want that deeper connection. I think, like to mm. to life in general. <clears throat> yeah, and like, to be fair, I still miss that camaraderie now. I can mm. still miss that change room banter. Like, I mean, like belly laugh moments all the time, really. Maybe not before the game because I was getting quite hyped up. But yeah, certainly showers afterwards and all that sort of messing around and uh-huh. yeah, it's wicked. Yeah, and like, I was lucky enough to play with a couple of my best mates as well, good footballers, and one of them's an absolute joker. And yeah, just some really funny moments. But mm. funny enough, when we came back, I decided that. And we're still playing six aside, and I used to play a lot of futsal as well, um, which is an amazing sport. Mm. Something England England youth players need drastically. Yeah, <laughs> I, you were talking to me about that the other day, weren't you? How, yeah. How all the like South Americans and the Brazilians, like, they are South American. Yeah. Um, and North African as well, right? Uh, no? I don't know about North Africa, but but all of Europe. So Euro- like, Europe, sorry. Italy, yeah. France, Spain. Yeah. That's all they play at youth level. Up, I think it's up until twelve when they then go to 11 aside and stuff mm. like that and it's it's Brazilian five aside with a super heavy ball yeah and everyone changes position including the goalkeepers which is why Brazilian goalkeepers are so good with yeah. their feet yeah and it's really hard to get it off the ground you can get it off the ground but you've got to scoop it so it just teaches you close control mm. movement you play in a diamond most of the time that's pretty much a set formation so everyone's moving positions and mm. yeah it's, it's phenomenal so I dropped back to that which was way more fun football got schooled quite a lot got yeah. nutmegged constantly <laughs> <laughs> I was like hold on I've been playing a good level for quite a while what's going on here but it was quite humbling at the same time yeah yeah. and then good. we, me and Sammy decided that we wanted to go to New Zealand because it's just like I touched on it earlier I, before football I started playing football at 12 and then it got serious about 14 before that I was pretty feral I was used to just go off my BMX skate mm. anything that involved jumping off cliffs yeah, used to dive as a little kid, like l- proper diving, competitive oh, diving. Oh, really? What like free diving or? Oh no, no. no. I, wasn't, I wasn't really. I wasn't really around then. <laughs> no, we had what some sort swim, of dive? swim pools near us. Oh, like like pool diving. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, like, cool. There was like a yeah, yeah. two meter, five meter, and ten meter. Yeah. Uh, no, sorry. Yeah, no, it was two point five. No, one meter, two point five, five and ten. So, yeah, just that's cool. Was quite into that at quite a young age from like. 8 to 10, 11 and then I, when I say skating I used to like inline aggressively skate on half pipes and stuff yeah so when I got into that 
and started trying flips on that the diving fell away because diving's really disciplined it's a bit mm. like gymnastics and, and dance and stuff like that and when I started skating and again finding that freedom I went back to diving and was like oh I don't want to do it so like I don't want to do it so straight I don't want to yeah. not make a splash I like you always have to be perfect send a massive flip and just uh-huh. see what happens and yeah. stuff like that so. yeah so yeah that's why New Zealand was always kind of like a massive interest to me and Sammy had obviously done Australia so when we came back I was still playing football a little bit and still keeping in contact with mates and all that sort of stuff still going out a little bit as well to be fair because you're still young and mm. still enjoying that um, and then I got which should have been the pinnacle of a plumbing career was, was a job with British Gas really mm. um, which turned out to be horrendous and possibly one of the worst jobs I've ever had okay. again weirdly again my best mate was working for him at the same time so that helped a lot but it was brutal in so, what way? Yeah, British Gas yeah. had been bought by an American company called Centrica, mm. um, which then just turned turned into a numbers game. British Gas always had a really good reputation for customers, but also for engineers that their training was good. They looked after you, got company car, uh, company van, tools, pension, all that sort of stuff that should have been ticking my boxes, which was still the case when Centrica bought them. So yeah. the pay was good. Didn't have to worry about anything. It was just like get in the van, ping up your jobs, off you go. But it was six jobs a day. And roughly between two and four hundred miles a day, and it was just breaking me. And it was also the it's the first time I fully felt the system, I guess, of that. Well, you're contracted; you will do that. Mm. You finish at eleven o'clock at night. You need to get those jobs done, and there's no leeway in that or anything like that. Yeah, so almost like so so strict or rigid on mm. what you have to do. Yeah. It's in your contract. Yeah, if you don't do it see you later <laughs> well disciplinary and all yeah. that sort of boring yeah shit chat so, yeah yeah which served the purpose again it was good pay and we lived in a little studio flat me and Sammy so we managed to save up a lot for New Zealand mm. which we needed because it's quite an expensive place to travel it's an amazing when you work it balances out big time so the pay there is really good yeah um, but yeah it's, it paid for that but yeah only lasted I think just over a year and then quit pretty dramatically mm. uh-huh. <laughs> do you want to know about that yeah so <laughs> I was going to ask you like what is the what's the point where because you've been through therapy and counselling yeah. what was the point where you realised or a mate of mine said recently your holy fuck moment or your like dark night of the soul some people call it where you're like shit I so that's a little bit later on like the traumatic stuff I mentioned earlier um, unfortunately was abuse from my dad not sexual mm. physical abuse uh, from probably about 8-9 years old up until 14-15 um, which I think looking back now as a child I didn't really realise at the time like it sucked and it wasn't very nice but you kind of just think, well, your dad's doing it, so it must be normal, mm. or it must be other people, and never never spoke about it, obviously, really. There was huge... My mum and dad's relationship was getting quite fractured at that point. I've always had a really good relationship with my mum, uh-huh. and she tried to take us away from my dad when I was about 11, 12, but financially just couldn't do it. And her mum switched her whole life around at that point and trained herself up to be a financial advisor and ended up running her own business and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it wasn't really until my dad passed away when mm. I was 32, 31, 32, 
that that was the holy fuck moment of everything just spanned me 360 because from about 14 15 we actually started to have a better relationship and then mum and dad split up when i was 18 19 mm-hmm. we i was playing good level football i was doing my apprenticeship i was in, had a flat with a mate in bournemouth i was quite stable and i supported dad through that breakup quite a lot got him a place because he was pretty devastated he was a dick sometimes <laughs> yeah. um, and that built our relationship again and from there it just got stronger and stronger um, he loves mm. he loves Sammy my wife that really yeah. helped a lot they got on really well and it was always around sport and football that our relationship was based but he met another lady that he was very happy with and got remarried and that brought him a lot of stability in his life mm-hmm. um, because the, the abuse used to come when dad was drinking so my dad was quite a charismatic guy. He smoked quite a lot of weed, which was good. It kind of leveled him out quite a lot, and it never used to happen with that. But it would always be the alcohol. So hmm. we would, I, as a kid, all I, all I remember is being outdoors and playing and stuff. Didn't really like school because it wasn't for me. I was too outdoorsy, and being in pubs. So I'd always be in pubs with my yeah. dad. Yeah, and then I'd always. It's weird. I remember always being happy when he'd fight in the pub. Because I knew he'd get in, he was getting it out of his system. Okay. It wasn't going to come to me. Yeah, so it was almost like a relief Yeah. when that was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I'll talk about a bit later on when I talk about the therapy and the counselling and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, the holy fuck moment was after me and Sammy went to New Zealand. An amazing time. Fully opened my mind out there. Like the way they live, where they work to mm. live. Uh, not the other way, not the other way around. So once work's done, they're literally like, cool, fuck this. Right, let's go surfing, snowboarding, climbing, barbecue, fishing, walking. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. It's friends, family, nature. Yeah. And I was like, right, okay, this is cool. This yeah. Is, this is really connecting. And I got really lucky to get a get a job as a cave guide. Cool. Um, which, again, coming from plumbing, where I felt quite depressed, I think, when I left, because I was like, this job should have been everything in terms of what society has taught me. Yeah. should be I'm qualified I've, I'm at the pinnacle of those qualifications in the yeah. plumbing and heating industry and now I'm working for apparently the best company going yeah so almost based on like how we've pretty much been conditioned through yeah. school society yeah you're there you've made it yeah and then a wage very decent wage yeah yeah and having mates around you saying the same thing like oh mate you can get a like Mercedes now and stuff like that I'm like I can't afford it. And I was like, yeah, but you're earning a good wage, so you can just get it on higher purchase. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, oh, why would I do that? Uh-huh. And I'm fucked. I'm yeah. paying that for 10 years or, However or long. Whatever, whatever it is. Mm. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, get getting the job in the cave, we just went on the tour and the boss was running it and then said at the end, we're coming into the high season. You seem quite natural at this. You seem to love it. So I absolutely loved it. The moment we upselled in, I was just like, oh, something hit me in my soul. And I was just like, this is where, yeah, this is what I need to be doing. hundred percent. Because I always felt the same when I was little with stuff that was going on with dad and things like that. It would always be woods because we didn't live. We lived near the sea, like in Bournemouth, but we lived like pool, Dorset, Swanage sort of way a little okay. bit more. So yeah. it was a little bit harder. So it was always the woods and stuff like that. And mm. it always used to bring me loads of peace. Yeah. You're kind of like your nature. Yeah. It was like your nature fix. Yeah. <laughs> so like that was like, I mean, yeah, going off on one 
calling me a see you next Tuesday and all that sort of stuff, which I've realised now going through therapy was his trauma from when he was a little kid because what he went through was horrendous. Yeah. Um, yeah, so got the job in the cave and then, yeah, just absolutely that New Zealand in general and then we stopped back coming through Asia and stuff like that, which again is totally different culture to what we've got. Just changed my outlook on life and mindset mm. and all that sort of stuff. And then we came back and then moved down here. Yeah. Uh, incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've been to New Zealand as well and it's incredible. It's magic. Incredible people. Yeah. So like kind, friendly, yeah, loving. Yeah. And like you said, they experience life. Yeah, they really do. And they work to live rather than live to work. Yeah. Which you know this country is very different and I get caught up in it yeah. like all the time just get caught up in the rat race and yeah. thinking I need to you know make more money which sometimes I do yeah, just for what I want um, I need to get more clients I need to do all this and actually no sometimes you just gotta you just gotta live yeah. enjoy life yeah, and do the best with and give the best to the what fits to the people you, around what, you yeah what fits with you I think what makes you happy what mm. like that moment for me in the cave when I'm abseiling him in that made my soul sing mm. and that's it's like okay plumbing never does that never has done it yeah there's some moments to be proud of <clears throat> and some interesting jobs and, and certainly later on when we moved down here and working with a local guy like Pasty and Earth Inspired doing more renewables that, that felt a lot better mm. but it was never it was never hitting my soul like, like mm. that was. Yeah, because I guess the renewable stuff is more aligned with mm. your values. Yeah. And that's not to say that, you know, <coughs> there might, you know, there, there'll be people out there that fucking love plumbing. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, and there, there's people out there that love jobs that we might hate because mm. we're all different. Yeah. We're all definitely. individuals, yeah. Yeah. Um, but realising that that's not for you and getting out is huge, isn't it? It took I a think. lot of courage, actually, yeah. to be fair. So, yeah, like that's leading up to this holy fuck moment. Like, moving down here, we weirdly met someone in New Zealand that lived down here. Um, got on, like, crazy well when I was making some green stone for my mum. Yeah. For her 60th. Um, what yeah. is that? Uh, it's green stone. So, it's a Maori thing. I've got it on now, actually. Won't be able to see this, but... Oh, nice. It means loads of stuff. So a lot yeah. of it is parents passing it down to their children. So there's loads of stuff. It's strength, like nature. That one, for example, that I've just showed you is um, protection in the ocean and safe travels. Mm. Uh, and the one I made for mum's a koru. So that's normally parents giving that to kids, but I wanted to give it to mum. Um, and that's like the family circle sort of thing where it's like a wave, really. Mm. and it kind of comes starts in and go, goes out but Greenstone's native to New Zealand and yeah it's got crazy energy from it mm. and interestingly even in the caves I worked with a couple of Maori boys who are fantastic human beings we're interestingly again that four or five pint mark with alcohol instantly fighting because there's a lot of trauma throughout their heritage through unfortunately England screwing them over and mm. taking all their land and yeah. stuff like that. Also, 
I didn't realise this, so one of the guys I worked with told me that 100, well, probably a bit more than 100 years ago now, over 100, 120 years ago, there was still a full warrior culture. Mm, really? Yeah, so like, always fighting, yeah, all that sort of stuff. So that's only 10 generations, and that takes time to... Yeah, because it, like, actually generational things get stored within our DNA. Mm. And so there is a part of us that we can't control, yeah. if that makes sense, that's yeah. in there. Um, that's not to say that we can't change that because yeah. we have the power to change our genetic yeah. expression. I think um, that's what we were talking about just before we started it, isn't it? It's breaking those cycles. Yeah. And that's a really good point you just made. That's exactly what was going on with my dad. Mm. So he, like, as a six months to four years old, he was locked on the floorboards, cupboards, beaten badly, really badly. His dad was Scottish, mm. alcoholic. Uh, and then at four years old, his auntie took him and his sister and my gran out of it. And then he was adopted. And then he had six sisters within that new family. But that's a lot of trauma for him to be processing a lot of the time. Mm. And weirdly with dad, he was super chilled out. Like I said, he, he smoked weed and played a good level of football and was a super good laugh really funny like and then it would, the same with the Maori boys it'd be four or five pints and then snap yeah it just you, that, that just barrier into, I guess you, you're keeping up just drops and yeah it'd be whoever's nearest gets a smack basically uh-huh. <laughs> yeah yeah I think that you know that comes when I've heard a lot recently as well like have you heard a guy called Bruce Lipton no um, really cool guy um, it's like a cellular biologist. He talks a lot about like the subconscious mind and yeah. and almost like brainwave states. How from the age of zero to seven, we're in this theta, which is almost like hypnosis, okay. brainwave state, and we're essentially recorders. So we record everything that's okay. going on what? around the world. So our, our parents, our teachers our friends or whatever mm-hmm. and we're essentially taking that in and that's almost then our program yeah and so unless we become aware of that and actively change it when we stop thinking or we go into that autopilot yeah which we are most of the time um like 90 95 percent of the time oh, we practice on. mindfulness yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's for later on yeah um we then revert back to those yeah habits that makes a lot of sense yeah and so you can be like such a lovely person on the outside but somewhere on the inside there's this part that's learnt mm. to when he gets angry lash out. or lash out and mm. hit people yeah. because that's what maybe he learnt from his father when he was yeah. you know a baby yeah definitely and taking even that taking that a step further back from the wars and stuff like that I mean that's I think dads and now if if I ever have kids which I'm not sure about yet I will then break that cycle mm. but dad wasn't able to as his dad wasn't able to as probably his dad and granddad weren't able to because the traumas they went through were yeah I mean I can't even comprehend the can't, traumas no can't imagine going to a war no just being told you've got to sign up I won't be doing you're that. 18 or 19 <laughs> or whatever 17 yeah you have to yeah what was it called? I can't remember. Um, conscription, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Even yeah. that's traumatic, just that just that moment, isn't it? Mm. Let alone training 
over to France, storming a beat. Oh, can't even. I can't even. Mm. And then obviously coming back after all of that into society that we have been up until recently, probably since the turn of the millennium, I guess, where it's hard to suck it up. Don't talk about it. Just push it down. Get on with work. Support your family, which is all good values. Mm. But without processing that, those traumas, they're only ever going to come back up, aren't they? Yeah, it's just going to be a cycle that keeps going within, within us, but then also mm. gets passed down unconsciously. Yeah. yeah, we don't always want to <laughs> most of the time. Yeah, but it happens. Yeah, because we're not aware of them. Well, even like what I said about Sammy coming to watch that game, she's like, "Your language is horrendous." Mm. And yet, when you're not on the football pitch, you, oh, okay, I do swear a little bit, but that's all learnt from my dad, mm. effing and blinding at me, and then was emphasised even more because my dad was like a loose term of a builder, more of like a labourer, straight builder, stroke, I don't know, just early enough to get down the pub sort of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I used to help him, and my best mate's dad was actually a builder. Mm. So from like 13, 14, we were both child labourers okay yeah <laughs> and then you're surrounded by it's that environment then isn't it yeah of, of that yeah that kind of culture right? yeah well go to work work hard swear a load moan yeah. about some stuff yeah finish at four go to the pub a few pints rinse and repeat mm. which again like I said earlier if you love that and yeah. you really that's what you want to do yeah that's that's great yeah yeah however I always go back to the, like the intention behind that mm. are you doing it to push, push something away yeah. avoid emotions which yeah. I mean this is my opinion now most of the time yeah yeah <laughs> I think so I think yeah and I think Tash touched on this in the last podcast as well didn't she that I've had a few friends and stuff that have become dependent on drugs or alcohol mm. and it's always always the mask of trauma mm. and, and that's not judging anyone at all like we all have to deal with it in different ways like Again, I think before we turn this on, we said, I learned through therapy, there's two ways it comes out, either in violence or violence. Like when you suffer a trauma, you either take it out on others in violence or you take it out on yourself by going inside and mm. it makes the anxiety, depression, pro- probably drugs and alcohol because you're feeling shit and you want to feel good. Exactly. So, yeah. And that's those things to help you feel good in the, in the moment. Yeah. So it's kind of a very temporary mm band-aid or plaster on yeah on a deeper issue and i think well i can't talk for you i obviously went out and party i've never really done drugs just because from that age of 12 sport got really serious mm. and there was no way i could do it because you, you yeah you've got no chance of making it at all mm. you don't really have a massive chance anyway but the, the margins are so thin and again yeah. even at that age at like 16 17 when you're playing for your counties and stuff like that. There was a couple of lads that tried coke, and phew, they were gone so fast. Mm. Like literally next day, that's it, finished. And they were probably two of the most talented players I've ever played with. Gone, and it was like, whoa, okay. Gone, as in like, I let go. You're not playing football. Oh yeah, you're not playing for county, which means you're not going to have a chance to play mm. for the region, like southwest. You're not going to then have the chance to be picked up for the under 18s of whatever club or country or, or whatever in mm. that that moment and I was like whoa okay <laughs> yeah that's a big wake up yeah so yeah it's never been that. something I lent on but certainly I lent on other stuff yeah and we, I've lent on them yeah 
I massively did, yeah. Partying from like the age of 14 most weekends, um, mainly alcohol. Mm-hmm. Started to smoke a bit of weed and yeah. there became a point that it was just like so normal mm. once a week. <laughs> it is <laughs> quite weekend. normal in our society it, as well. To it's normalised, it? yeah, it's like, normalised. Even go to uni, mm. first what, month is freshers, is it? Uh, the first week or two. Yeah. Yeah. You just get obliterated. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which again is cool. Like it's good to it's good to have fun. It's just dangerous when it becomes the normal, doesn't it? And yeah. Your, and your crutch, if you like, to yeah get you through weeks. Yeah, and and, and like the reason behind it. Yeah. Whether it for me most of the time, reflecting back, it was like almost like yeah, covering up insecurity, covering mm-hmm. up anxiety yeah definitely because i'd feel so anxious around pe- people mm-hmm. talking to people yeah um that i I'd, I'd use alcohol to yeah try and help yeah i feel you on that and then it wouldn't <laughs> yeah eventually well yeah so i'd drink more and then i'd get in, yeah got into got into drugs i didn't actually do i suppose any like harder drugs mm. until i was 18 yeah um but still I started doing that and then that sent me spiralling towards my breakdown, which yeah. I spoke about in the first podcast. Yeah. Um, but going back to what you said in, in that it doesn't have to be drugs and alcohol. It, no, absolutely not. We can get almost like addicted to anything. Well, yeah. Work. I mean, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Gaming. Yeah. Porn. Yeah. Um, even even like your stuff like gym and things gym, like that like massively becomes addictive foods i mean again you and tash spoke about this a lot didn't mm. you and i've looked at it now after like going through therapy and all that and one of the last things that we'd spoke about with my therapist is, is creating healthy habits mm. and surfing's a massive one for me on that and that was what stopped me pretty much drinking like i still have the odd point now and again with mates because that's quite a hard thing to navigate because we're such a pub culture. Yeah. That I found myself just at home on my own quite a lot. Yeah. Because I didn't particularly want to go to the pub, especially growing up in pubs pretty much. I'm like, yeah. Bit over you get that. Seeing this. Uh-huh. And then um, that's difficult to balance because we need that social connection. Yeah, that's yeah. a massive part of, yeah, you know, mental health. And then especially, like, a few of my mates would get on the coke or whatever um, and I'd just be drinking and I'm trying to keep up with that level and then I'm feeling like shit the next day and also kind of changes the dynamic quite a lot if you're not doing it yeah you almost then feel like judged or people are like people say things don't they yeah Yeah. I just felt disconnected because they were talking shit quite a lot of the time (laughs) (laughs) as you do and I'm like what are you guys talking about this makes no sense at all (laughs) so yeah and then like surfing you can't be hung over and surf there's just no Physically, it's hard. It's a hard sport anyway. Mm. Um, and I remember having a couple of beers a few times when before like a good good swell was coming in and like I started surfing at Saunton, which is a great wave and, and a nice way to learn the waves around here. And certainly I'd surfed a bit before we moved down here, but nothing too serious. So that was a good place to start. And there's obviously the rip next to the rocks, which makes life quite easy. But I'd had a few beers. It wasn't a massive day, like say three foot or whatever. I could barely get out in the rip. Mm. And I was like, what is going on? I surfed like yesterday and absolutely yeah. fine. And I was like, well, it's alcohol. And that's not blaming alcohol. It's just realising that it is a poison. And, and 
even when I was younger, I used to get horrendous hangovers. Mm. So obviously, I think there are people that are allergic to alcohol. I don't think I'm quite that severe, but it definitely affects me quite a lot. And it used to depress me big time. Yeah, it's like, big depressing. Isn't it? <clears throat> like the next day, I'd feel shit for a load of reasons. Like if you've had a relationship with someone that night and you're having to ask them to leave and stuff, it always feels a bit... Yeah, you get the anxiety sh- around you. <laughs> or your mates are be like, oh, mate, I can't believe you did that last night. Like, or you get sent a video of something and you're like, whoa, is that me? Yeah. Jesus, that doesn't look like me. And even sometimes I would fight, which is really not me. I'm really not a violent person at all. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but again, it's that barrier dropping down and then those emotions coming out. And because you've got, you're intoxicated, you just can't process it as you normally would. No. And then, poof, no, it's almost like that rational brain switches off yeah. at a certain point. As you don't know, like, the neuroscience no, behind like... it or whatever, <laughs> but it's almost as if that rational brain switches off. Yeah. And then, like, that, that like, subconscious pattern comes through, essentially, yeah. which can be, like, anger, can be yeah. sadness. You know, like, a lot of people ball, start bawling when they're yeah. drunk, don't they? Um which again is, is probably a good a good thing in some ways because mm. that trauma's coming out, isn't it? But as I learned, trauma's got to come out in a very, very safe environment. Yeah. To be able to process it properly. Mm. But yeah, it was the surfing really. I just I just decided to commit to it fully yeah. and get fitter and obviously still smoke cigarettes a little bit, which is the last one that's got to go, but everything else is gone now. Mm. And it feels good and it's those healthy habits that like having something for me like it's surfing and the co-steering and stuff like that that I love so much it's, yeah. it's worth dropping everything else for it Yeah, and I, I think, think that helps a lot I think absolutely there's no better healthy habit than I know everyone's di- a little bit different but being outside in nature yeah, moving your body yeah definitely <laughs> having challenge so you're in the moment yeah surfing ticks all those boxes it really does and climbing without without realising it with surfing it was helping me through a traumatic time that I didn't even really realise because Mm. when we moved down here I did surf coaching for a couple of seasons which was great and loved it but it wasn't enough to support me in the winter Mm. so very quickly I picked up the tools again for plumbing and it's a nice compliment I ended up having my own business in it for six, seven years and it was all word of mouth and, and all that sort of stuff but I was getting so stressed and my dad was starting to drink again a bit more and it was starting that relationship was starting to get a little bit toxic nowhere near where it was possibly because I was bigger than him and stuff like that <laughs> but he probably still knocked me out because yeah. <laughs> he was a scouser and pretty hard <laughs> um, but yeah surfing just focus the mind so much that mm. I wouldn't think about emails or phone calls or my dad's relationship or or anything like that it's just that moment because otherwise the ocean very quickly puts you in a place that you don't want to be <laughs> yeah yeah and it was great and tumbling around like yeah. <laughs> getting wrecked in a rip and stuff yeah. which I really like actually yeah yeah it's to weird. a certain extent maybe, maybe I should talk to Tash about that <laughs> might, be, might be my trauma release exercise getting nailed uh-huh. by the waves yeah <laughs> yeah potentially <laughs> um, and then yeah that leads on to what you said earlier the holy fuck moment so yeah my dad got ill probably seven years ago super quick again weirdly I was playing football 
Mm. And I actually just had a really enjoyable sort of six aside in Braunton. Come out and there was like maybe 15 missed calls from his wife and loads of voicemails. And I just was like, oh, this is not good. This feels weird. Returned a call and she was in tears. And she said, your dad's got terminal cancer. Um, they said it's not going to be long at all. This was mid-season when I was working back at the surf school as well, who were super supportive. I'd always be grateful for that. Um, so dropped everything, literally everything. I think I was ba- balancing the two, actually. I was still doing a little bit of plumbing in the summer, but mainly mm. surf coaching because I loved it. Um, dropped everything, went back to Dorset. Dad was gone within six weeks of that, six to eight weeks. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, within that time, he kind of reverted back to the... At first, he was he was good and he was quite positive and he was still... Dad always jokes, like, constantly, like, taking the piss out of everyone, nurses around him, other patients, like, quite dark humour sometimes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as he got sicker and I think he realised what was happening, he reverted back to, like, my childhood dad sort of thing, where he's quite abusive to me. Like, I was living in my van up there at the time and staying with, like, Sammy's parents. We drove back once because he kind of picked up a little bit and there was, like, a little bit of hope. And mm. then literally the next day got a call saying no you need to come up he's it's end of life care which emotionally was all over the place and then we i remember this forever we drove like it was maybe like six o'clock at night and got there at like nine cause it's like a three hour drive back to dorset walked like ran into the hospital room because i was really worried like he might have gone and he was he was all on all sorts of morphine and all sorts and he just turned around and said what the fuck are you doing here mm. i was just like oh, one moment you've got in your life to put to bed all of those times where you could have said you love me and all that sort of stuff that's your reaction and I just broke down and then he passed away and there was quite a moment at the funeral where he's got like that was super popular he had loads of mates there and they were like oh your dad was such a legend come and have a chat with us about how how much of a legend he was and I was just like was he? because mm. I remember a very different scenario a lot of times where there was abuse of loads of different sorts mm. So, yeah, came back, tried to, like, took a couple of weeks off and then tried to get back into the plumbing because it was winter. And I was working with my mate Pasty and just doing a normal sort of combi boiler install. And I don't remember any of this. And he come into the room and I was just staring at the boiler, not moving. I don't know how long for. And then I just remember him, like, looking at him going, oh, what are you doing here, mate? And he was like, mate, you've just been stood there for, like, ten minutes just staring into space and weren't responding or anything. Yeah, just fully, like frozen yeah yeah and then I just collapsed and he's like mate you need to go you need to go home and here's a number call this lady take some time and start to process it mm. so that was the holy fuck moment yeah it's standing there just completely out of it after yeah. after everything with your dad yeah yeah and all that trauma and emotion that like not just dried up came flying up yeah because it was such a like it's been it's almost I taught I mentioned it like and I think Tash did as well like imagine you got a beach ball mm. it's always there um, and you're essentially it's like you're pushing down this beach ball under the sea or under the the water yeah and it's just there and you keep pushing it down you keep pushing it down the further you push it down the more it wants to yeah. shoot back up true and then eventually there'll be a point or a trigger or something that almost pushes that stress within your body and that stress response yeah 
to overdrive. Yeah. And then the beach ball fucking flies up and out. Yeah. And then that's when you have that almost like that moment, that holy fuck moment yeah. where you're like, you either, you know, completely shut down. Um, yeah. And you get, or you get real outburst and real ang- anger yeah. that flies out a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. It sounds like that was that moment for you where yeah. your, like, your nervous system was just had enough done yeah and that was your body like yeah shut down yeah yeah and there's um there's a nerve called the vagus nerve and there's i think it's there's two like two branches of that okay i believe don't quote me on it <laughs> but there's one called like your dorsal and if you like look up polyvagal theory which is really really interesting yeah and it's this guy who created it, Stephen Port? He didn't create it. He kind of researched it. Yeah. Stephen Porges, he talks about like that theory and how it relates to trauma and things that happen in 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 our nervous system to yeah. things that happen in our life, yeah, even definitely. our thoughts and things like that. And that that can become really really active, and that essentially shuts you down, almost yeah. like immobilizes you. Yeah. Like um, I was talking about with Tash before, you get into that red zone. Yeah. Where you like shut down. Yeah, go to you become like depressed, immo essentially immobile. Yeah, um, can't think properly. Yeah. Space out all the time. Yeah, well, this is what Pasty is saying to me. He's like, mate, you've done this. You fit the ball like this what five hundred times? What's going on? Yeah, and no response. And then what you're saying after, like afterwards for me, like I'd take. I think it was like October, and then I took definitely November, December and a bit of January off totally. Was quite honest with people and just said, look, I'm struggling. I've had a breakdown. I'm going to go see a therapist. It's going to be traumatic because I knew it was going to be traumatic. It's, I don't know, how many years of trauma? 10 years of trauma. Going to come flying out all at once and it already was coming out so it did immobilise me and we had a flat in Bournemouth at the time and I just remember just being in there a lot and then I was going to therapy probably two or three times a week at the start and yeah met this amazing lady at first so obviously there's loads of different types of therapy and hers was talking therapy to start with which is what I needed yeah I called it like mothering therapy I had a great I've got a great mum and we got a great relationship obviously that was far too close to home to be talking about that sort of stuff because yeah she's admitted that she feels guilt that it went on for so long and she uh-huh. should have got us out of there and stuff like that which I don't blame her for it at all. It's, it's circumstances. Um, so yeah, the lady I saw first was just sort of like a mothering figure, really. Just slowly pulled it out of me. Yeah. Little bit by little bit. And we managed to process it and go back to that inner child stuff and, and all that sort of thing. Um, she put me onto mindfulness mm. um, via an app called Calm, which yeah. I use a lot. I still yeah. use it now. Do you? Yeah. It's amazing. I love it. Great app, yeah. It's an amazing app. Uh, and the lady that runs it does it for good reason so I know you've got to pay for it but it comes back to that profit thing we've all got to, we've all got to survive haven't we yeah that's the world but it's world an amazing right platform uh-huh. um, so that was probably two three months of that and then me and Sammy went to Indonesia to Bali which helped with my healing definitely and at the same time I knew plumbing was done for me mm. so when I come back from Bali I told loads of customers and builders I'm done there's some good reactions. There's some not so good reactions to that. Yeah, <laughs> called some pretty 
nasty words sometimes, but it, I knew it was the right decision, and I didn't just go, right, that's it. I was, it took, in total, it probably took three, four years to slowly close that down and customers to know that I'm not about anymore and stuff like that. And then went back to see the lady again, and it was good. We were, like, processing loads of stuff, and there was just some memories I could not be with, like that one when I ran up to see Dan, who told me to fuck off, basically, which is dad's natural language as well as some of the beatings when I was younger mm. and the aggression and like some of the aggression was horrendous um, being called a selfish little C-U-N-T at like nine years old is a lot to process mm. so she put me on to because she tried to get me there through the talking therapy and I just break down I just couldn't even talk it was just so traumatic I could feel it in my yeah. whole body yeah so after that was EMDR uh huh can't remember the abbreviation now but it's basically rapid eye movement therapy yeah. so you could sort of not hypnotize but you're following a line and then mm. the lady that took that on is amazing and she is local and she's quite spiritual herself and like obviously my first therapist had passed on all the details so there's probably three or four memories that were just too strong mm. by doing that rapid eye movement it takes you out of your consciousness a little bit mm. so you're able to talk it through and she always brings you back to a safe place and my my safe place is is the point the wave that yeah. we have locally so it's quite a good image that she create where at the start of the session i'll be walking out for a surf and then we'd start the rapid eye movement mm. and then i kind of remember talking about the stuff while i was doing the rapid eye movement and then she'd bring me back to that safe place and afterwards i'd be a traumatic fucking wreck okay and just want to get home yeah close the door and just be like, just oh like... my god but is it quite tiring yeah you knackered after yeah. yeah yeah definitely and um <clears throat> often sammy would ask me like how was it babe how did it go stuff like that i'm like i just can't mm. i just can't i just can't um yeah so often difficult to put into words mm. feeling yeah especially if it's like you know this trauma that's been yeah held and stored in the body for so long it's so powerful can't explain it sometimes yeah. Yeah, and then so yeah. probably did that for another few few more months. Um, and then, as I said to you before we started, quite a poignant moment for me is that she said towards the end, this is it's not your fault. It's, it's, she said it a few times in one session. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, it's not your fault. You didn't do this to yourself. Someone else did that to you. And that's quite an important figure in your life that did this to you. So that's really hard to process. But just know it's not your fault and put that back where it belongs. Mm. And then you'll be able to move forward. She was absolutely spot on. And I'm not saying I'm perfect now or 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 it doesn't happen. I let have my down times and stuff like that. But generally, 90% of the time, I'm pretty balanced. Mm. And even when those emotions do come up, because the trauma is still in my body, mm. it's still in my subconscious, through mindfulness and surfing and co-steering and, and the man-up stuff and friends yeah. like that, that's been really cool to connect with that recently. Mm it's those healthy habits again that are supporting you for it yeah keeping you keeping you grounded yeah and I've, I've found the same like there's no there there's no place where you, you get there and you're done yeah. <laughs> right it's a journey and yeah along the way you hit some shit parts yeah i mean like if i'm being completely honest the last five days i've felt fucking horrendous i'm oh, sorry mate. and that's part of the process isn't it yeah. and um, it's each time like realising you know what's slightly out of balance mm. having that awareness of yeah 
what puts you in that place sometimes. Yeah. And then having those tools like therapy, EMDR, mm. um, and other things like that close support network like we've got yeah. in the the mindful men group and the man I up think group. Especially for males, that's really hard to accept that mm. something's wrong, that you're weak mm. and stuff like that. But I've got to be honest, like it's the best thing I've ever done. The empowerment I felt at the end of therapy, of that particular therapy, because you're right, I was definitely searching for that enlightened moment yeah. at first. I'm like, yeah. cool, when's this coming? When when's she gonna be like, Cool, that's it, you're an enlightened being. Yeah. See you later. But it's a constant process isn't it mm. but the sense of empowerment you feel when you let those things go or they become smaller where they're not in your consciousness so much because mm. that's what happened to me when dad died is that I could feel it like so close to the edge mm. all the time and it would only take a little leak on the job or someone cancel or the material is not turned up for the merchants and rather than get angry which is one way it can come out I just go down so down and I'm like oh I've got to phone a customer they're going to have a go at me I've got to put that job back tomorrow I've got to tell that subcontractor like the job's not on anymore he's not going to like it was just crazy and then obviously eventually that just went bang and like you said with the beach ball the beach ball (laughs) came up (laughs) flying out yeah so I think it's I'd recommend therapy for absolutely anyone I think it's amazing there's so many different types out there and it doesn't matter what you do like Mm. both therapists said to me there's a healing circle and part of that is therapy nature family sport super important because mm. it releases such good endorphins yeah. Um, yeah sometimes like i had to go on antidepressants a little bit at the start i didn't want to stay on for long because i've never had a great feeling about modern medicine too yeah. much which is a convo for we won't day. open that door right now <laughs> no i don't go against it for sure i think it's got really good merits yeah but i think we've lost the balance with that but that's definitely a conversation I've, for another yeah time. i think we've got similar views on that and yeah how, uh, yeah, we, we can chat about that yeah. <laughs> some other time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had to do it for certainly the first part because mm. the emotions that were coming out just were uncontrollable. And it would have been that or drugs and alcohol, which that was at least controlled by the doctors and stuff like that. Mm. So, And it helped. It numbed me a bit. So I was able to talk about it a little bit and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and that healing circle, however you find that it's so important it's so it's so mm. good and like, I've got friends and stuff that have gone through in the last year similar processes and like I mean even my wife has I hope she doesn't mind me saying this but she is absolutely flying now the confidence yeah. she's got like the self-belief she's got like she's doing her own business which is um, holistic therapies like Reiki and aromatherapy and two three years ago she was having self-doubt about it all the time mm. whereas just she she didn't she spent maybe two three months with a lady and then she worked, worked through oh just stuff. just flying yeah i think it's so powerful it is whatever form yeah. they've actually done a study on it i can't remember the exact what the exact name of it is i'll find it and i'll send it to you and i'll yeah, put it yeah. in the the notes for people <clears throat> in that it doesn't matter so much what type of therapy it is yeah what matters is the connection you have with the yeah. therapist yeah same with like coaching yeah definitely the the you know the connection i have with my clients is more important than whether i know every fucking thing about sleep and yeah. nutrition and <laughs> uh 
uh, gym, yeah, whatever, yeah, and anxiety, yeah, yeah. I think that's super important, mm, and that's what I've learned because I used to try and be so knowledgeable and the smartest person in the room, um, and that came from insecurity. But I've learned that actually, what matters is your relationships. Yeah, definitely. Mm, more so. It's good to have knowledge. Like knowledge is good. Yeah. But ex- I think excessive knowledge is a little bit dangerous sometimes. Mm. But yeah, and again, it comes back to that: why, why do you want to be so knowledgeable? Yeah. Is it to, you know, help your ego feel yeah. like you can validate yourself by knowing more than someone else? Yeah. Um, or is it because you just love learning? Yeah. And that's that's good to realise, isn't it? Because if you love learning, great. Yeah. That, that makes you feel happy and that's the key thing isn't it as long as what you're doing makes you happy then you've cracked it mm. that's, absolutely that, whether that is running a business with loads of people and making money great mm. as long as we're not I think as long as you're, what you're doing makes you happy and you're not shitting on other people mm. then perfect and I don't mean that in business I mean that in any walk of life mm. and it always comes back down to that thing of balance always mm. even the medicine thing we just mentioned I don't discount modern medicine at all. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. But we've gone too far the other way. So it's about bringing it back in balance with nature because there's loads of healing there as well. Mm. Same with sport. What, what you just touched on there, like I used to have to be the best player on the pitch all the time. I have, used to have to either score a goal, get man a match or do a goal-saving tackle or something like that every match to mm. get that validation. And that's just not possible. Mm. you can have crap games and that's when I go poof, yeah flying down yeah because you then put that expectation on doing that and if you don't you feel like a failure yeah yeah and it was coming into plumbing as well mm. where I'd want every job to be perfect and unfortunately in plumbing that's just not possible we make a mistake or someone in the manufacturing process somewhere makes a mistake and a rubber seal is not quite right on the boiler and it leaks mm. and then I'd be like oh I'm shit yeah. really shit at this this is my fault because that's what was put into me at a young age is that I was shit wasn't good enough your dad's hitting you and that's supposed to be your role model mm. so yeah mm. so you've been been through a lot yeah and you've you know on that journey you've figured yourself out yeah you've like developed that almost like that compassion for um your dad yeah and no, knew that it came from a place of still his working own... on the forgiveness part okay yeah that's something I'm still weirdly uh-huh. a friend's going through at the moment and he had some issues with his dad as well and he said the other day when we were having a walk he's like yeah I've forgiven him and I was like oh yeah I haven't done that yet no mm. so that's probably my next bit to work yeah. on and I was going to ask you what, what is still a challenge for you um, which is that yeah and what kind of advice would you give to someone who's been in a similar position to you what would be like I know it's hard to pinpoint because everyone's different but what would you say would be like one thing that's really really helped you therapy yeah yeah it's it's the standout one obviously surfing and and all that was amazing and and the coast steering and caving and that's all the stuff I love yeah and that's in my soul and my being. Like it's important to find that. I think in life, mm. but therapy, find the right therapist, and you will fly. Mm. <laughs> yeah, there's so much truth in it. 
it's just yeah I was I was really sceptical even when Passy gave me the number I was still like oh, I don't know like that's a weakness one of the people I was working with at the time even turned around to me and said you know this goes on your record forever don't you that you've got mental health problems hmm. I was just like oh shit okay maybe I shouldn't do it then because then I might go for a job in five years and they're like oh he struggled with mental health so he's a weirdo but yeah yeah and it's almost that societal yeah. prejudice isn't it but after one session I was like this is horrendous but this is definitely the right thing to do yeah and I'd just had enough I'd had enough of pushing it down avoiding it trying to make the world be like yeah I'm cool it's all good like I'm happy I'm mm. all good get home fall apart yeah <laughs> sometimes that's what actually most of the time that's what it takes yeah hitting hitting that rock bottom rock bottom where yeah. it's worse to stay where you are yeah. than, than do something yeah. difficult about it yeah I'd um, have that phone sorry go on. no carry on no go on I was going to say talk to me about co-steering uh, yeah so co-steering side of things like I used to surf coach here and then where did we go oh yeah and then when I decided to when I had that breakdown and decided to come out of plumbing bumped into a friend who just bought a surf school locally and he mm. was like oh mate come and if you had enough plumbing there's always work in the summer and I was like yeah it's cool let's get back to what I love got a bit over surf coaching in this country because it's just two hours and then see you later and yeah. you've coached and I've I've coached and as a coach you want more from a session than just getting someone standing up and then see you later so I went back and did a few lessons and was like, oh, yeah, this is cool, but I want more. And then he was like, oh, there's a co-steering session later. I was like, oh, what's that? And he told me about it and I was like, oh, yeah. So it's scrambling, swimming and jumping around mm. our beautiful coastline. Um, this was started in Croyd, like I started doing it in Croyd with this company and just fell in love. Mm. One session, I was like, yep, that's me. That's what I'm going to do, 100%. Yeah. I love yeah. jumping off anything. I love doing flips being around the rocks the ocean uh, and guiding people through that is an amazing feeling for mm. them and me like I get as much if not more from it as, as seeing their achievements um, and then yeah just spent the last five six years getting there's a qualification in it now so getting qualified doing my beach lifeguard again and all that sort of stuff been freelance most of the time so work with loads of different companies locally which has been really good so mm. I've picked up loads of stuff off loads of people and I just absolutely love it. And we do work with, only in the last year or so, before that we did like NCS, which is Nas National Citizenship Scheme. Yeah, I've uh, heard of it. Which yeah. is good. Yeah. Fortunately, it's been pinned now, mm. so it doesn't happen anymore. But that would be mostly inner city kids coming down and doing like stand-up paddleboarding, surfing, co-steering, like just doing stuff they'd never do before. Mm. And that kind of triggered it off in me helping a few really nervous kids or kids that are like I could I guess you feel this as well you can instantly feel that they've got some home life that's not great just by having a few little sentences mm. with them having been through that myself so I'd instantly want to help them more and then seeing them grow and seeing what co-steering gives them by the end of the session where they might start doing a meter jump and they're shaking like mm. a shitting dog and then at the end they might do a three meter jump which is doesn't sound like a lot but for them it's huge without mm. my assistance without i'm there obviously to make sure they're safe but without me saying a lot or encouraging them they're just like i'm like you're good you're happy with this yeah yeah no worries ping straight off yeah like, yes come yeah. on let's go or it can be the other one that some people it's scrambling they find tricky because mm. it's quite uneven ground and stuff like that where 
it's not climbing it's it's a really dulled down version not dulled down it's a easier version of climbing where it's just loosely scrambling around there's no ropes or anything like that yeah it's just kind of like golem yeah that's around it. the rocks <laughs> actually a reference I scrambling use. Oh, is people it? are struggling no, to get the scrambling yeah, yeah. I'm like just think about golem be like golem although not many young kids have watched it now no which is shocking yeah it really annoys me like, yeah, well, what, do, what can I use now I've got nothing <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's the perfect way to scramble certainly when you're coming out the water on an angle it's all fours straight up all that sort of stuff and then mm. once you get to flatter ground you can just walk around no worries but for some people it's the ocean they're really scared of the ocean especially when there's bigger waves mm. um, but again we've taken people out when it's sort of four to six foot of croid and you're walking down the steps and they're like no way I'm not doing that you're like don't worry it's all good you're talking through it you have a safety chat all that sort of stuff and we don't do the full route at that point we do like a safer route where we're quite tucked into the rocks all the time but yeah for people to be that close to that power in the ocean and to achieve it at the end so we might do a little route where we just go from a to b and ju- do maybe four or five jumps whereas mm. on a normal session you're doing 10 plus jumps but every jump is full on you you, you i teach them how to actually use the power of the ocean to make it safer so jumping in front of a wave and i'll i might be on the entrance like where i put them in and then my assistant will be down on the exit and then just letting that water take you mm-hmm. and relaxing and going with it because yeah. you've, you've got a buoyancy aid on you've got a helmet on you're pretty safe to to a degree so yeah that's co-steering um and then we've been doing a lot of school residentials which since covid is really needed because they're really struggling with body confidence general confidence some of the talk they're saying as we're walking to the route i mean they're asking if they're going to die they're asking if anyone's going to commit suicide and i'm like oh this is you're 12 years old where's this coming from Mm. so it what i'm trying to say is it's my main job like i love it and obviously it's mainly tourist based sort of april till october Mm-hmm. But I'm also trying to do more stuff with it for mental health, trauma, disabilities. I think it could be amazing. So a couple of times last year, we took a few kids that had spinal bifida and they were able to come really close to their classmates on the route yeah. the whole way. And that was amazing mm. for everyone, for them, yeah. for their class, for their yeah. teachers. Just that sense of like, yeah, like that connection and community. And yeah, yeah. Definitely. Being out in nature, like we keep coming back to is huge and yeah. Yeah, that sense of achievement and fulfilment from yeah from doing it because I've done it a right. few times co-steering and yeah it's so fun it's amazing so I fun. can see the smile on your face yeah literally <laughs> just thinking back to like doing it now just yeah. scrambling across the rocks and and a lot of the time it's it's showing them at the end as well like you might start A to B for example mm. and you finish at the end of your route and you go look what you, look what you've just done and they're like what no way mm. or look what waves you were just in and you were telling me at the van you don't want to go mm. and they're like and you can see them lift and it's the same with the kids it's the same with I did a couple of sessions last year for teenagers that have been bullied pretty bad like really bad mm. one have been put in hospital and I think I said to you the other day I actually took a bully out as well which was yeah, you did, yeah. quite a challenging one for me not to want to have a word with him <laughs> yeah <laughs> about why are you bullying people yeah but halfway through the session he told me why and it was again trauma from home Mm. Um, that was just coming out in a way and he's like and he said to me I can't control it it just comes out like someone will say something in class or or someone will like you do as kids like tap him around the back of the head for example and 
it's instant. He's just flies off the handle and that's it. Mm. And it's a way it's a way of him releasing his, his trauma. But that and then his sort of not carer, that's a bit of a strong word, like his helper, like mentally mental health sort of worker was with him and she's like, He's never talked about this before. Mm. And that was just the point where we'd done a few jumps and stuff like that and he's obviously been in and out of authority as well. And I didn't really do I did a the basic safety chat I need to do to cover my backside. Yeah. So I didn't get in trouble. And yeah. And I just said like, Cool, let's go. And then I spoke about it on different parts of the sections. And he'd done maybe four or five jumps and then there's a cave on this route where we just sat and just took a minute and I was like, We don't need to be anywhere, it's just as lot. We can just sit here and talk or listen or whatever. And then yeah, all that came out. Mm. Which I think is to do with the energy that the rocks holds. Mm. So Yeah. Yeah, do you want to chat about that? Yeah. 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 Well, I'm the lucky. energy. Because, you know, like, crystals, mm-hmm. they're popular. Yeah. And the energy that crystals hold and everything everything is made up of energy, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, chat about the rocks. Yeah, I mean, K-Steering's got, got it all, really. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time, like, I mean, where we K-Steer around here is Coyd Hill and Coo Martin. All three are stunningly beautiful mm. parts of the world. I mean... The other reason why I love it is because it's similar to New Zealand for me. It's about as close as we'll ever get to New Zealand in this country. And mm. yeah, it's 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 the rocks, it's nature. Like especially at Hill, you're a bit more surrounded with trees and things. And the ocean. Those three things together is so powerful. Mm. Um, and like our rocks, for example, I've got a friend that's a geologist. So he's very kindly passed on some knowledge to me that I do love to share with customers as well. Yeah. And, and people that come out because... It adds another element to what you're doing and I think it puts it into perspective like how small we are sometimes. Mm. So some basic stuff like what we have is is Croyd Hill and Kumar and Croyd is 400 million years old. Yeah. The rocks. Pretty um, old then, yeah. Pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, Kumar and Hill are 450 million years old. Yeah. And they're all at the angle they're at is because of the tectonic shift which is even going on now. Um, and they started off in the in the equator, and then they've shifted up here with with different ice ages and tectonic shifts and stuff yeah. like that. So for those people that don't know what a tectonic shift is, it's the plates yeah. sliding like constantly the earth. moving. Yeah, they constantly shift. Yeah. 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 So um, we even have some rocks that have come. Sound like a geology teacher. <laughs> <laughs> and. And this <laughs> is a quartz. Well, this, yeah, quartz. I mean, you go out a hill at low tide. Yeah. So if you go out from Hill Bay and turn left or right, yeah. ma- mainly left, um, the quartz veins there are absolutely mind-blowing. Mm. They're so thick and so long and so beautiful. Mm. I mean, Hill, Hill's quite a magic place anyway, to be fair. I mean, Croyd's magic, but Hill and Kumartin, I think maybe because they're a little bit older, Mm. just hold that extra bit of magic there's mm. no way to describe it really um, but we but, even have some rocks that come all the way down from Scotland nice um, all on the glacial shifts and mm. that sort of stuff so that's why I think it's so good for mental health and, and trauma and even take those labels out of it just in general because just just good for you it's good it's <laughs> adrenaline it's energy it's nature yeah. I mean yeah. adrenaline's amazing for you anyway it, it mm. just picks you up 
Mm. And, you've, and I've definitely seen that certainly post COVID, even with normal tourists, like everyone was really flat and really like bowing their heads quite a lot and mm. no eye contact and stuff. And halfway through the session, they're shouting, screaming, laughing, like, yeah, where are we going next? What, what's going on next? And that was really nice post COVID actually, that it was a lot of families together mm. and you were seeing those bonds reconnect, which was, mm. which was nice. So it's got everything by the sounds of it. Yeah. Steering. <laughs> I'm in love with it, but yeah. so I'm pretty biased, but I think so. And and certainly we are at the tip of the iceberg with it. It's only 20 years old, I think, mm. in this country. Um, probably 10 years as a commercial entity where it's getting more and more popular. Yeah. Because it's so accessible, you don't need a level of skill. So no. you can get in touch with me and say, right, I'm really nervous. It's our family or, or a group of friends that were a bit nervous about the ocean. We don't want to do big jumps. No worries. We can make it more, <clears throat> more of a geology exploration type thing with a few jumps at the end. Yeah. Or other scale of it, you get a group of people that phone you up and say, "Right, mate, we want the biggest jumps possible. We want to fully send it. We want to go out when it's massive in the ocean. Yeah. Really challenge ourselves because that's the other end of things we've done. We've done stuff with army, um, some gymnasts, some trampolinists. Mm. It's good to even those people. It, it challenges them, especially mm. the army lot. I've been quite surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's quite interesting actually with the army guys. Really, I don't mean this against the army at all, but it was quite male toxic at the start, quite laddish. Like, yeah. oh, come on, you pussy! Like, go off, blah blah. blah. Yeah. Stop being such a wimp. And by then, they were all really supportive of each other. That's good. And one session, one guy just started crying. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, I just can't deal with this. I'm really struggling with the army." And all of his mates got round him, and I was just like, "Wow, that's really that's powerful. powerful." Yeah. I didn't even say anything. I just sat there. And we were there for like 20 minutes while everyone was talking to him and they are like mate if you've, if you've had enough of the army that's no worries like we'll support you out of it and to see that change from start to finish mm. was amazing mm-hmm. so yeah love that the, pa- <laughs> the power of the rocks and I guess like especially big jumps just having that fear mm. and overcoming that fear yeah because it's all on them Mm. Like I'm there as their guide and their instructor and I'm putting them into safe places but they have to be the one to decide to jump Yeah, I don't throw anyone off any rocks or anything like that or quite often when there's way, big waves and things like that I think from my experience at Coast Inn so far what gives people a lot of the healing is the swimming part Yeah, and then getting out on the rocks because I personally think the ocean cleanses a lot of our shit yeah the, yeah um, so when you're swimming around I see people relaxing a lot and then when they come out on the rocks I think they're starting to feel they're more open to the energy mm-hmm. sound like a proper hippie right now <laughs> <laughs> it's true though it it's is true. true everything is energy it is yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah like, and then we'll start we'll start on a small jump and slowly build up and you're obviously teaching the right techniques to land and jump and stuff like that but often towards the end of the session I'm always close to them just in case but I'm not really saying a lot mm. and they're just kind of doing it and then I often chat at the end of the session, not too much, but just say like, I hope you will realise that by the end of it, it was all you. And mm. often if I've got quite a competent group or quite a nervous group or any type of group, I'll always give them options yeah, rather than just dictate to where we're going. Because that, especially with the school stuff, school residentials, that really helps. Yeah. That especially team bonding and yeah. teamwork and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, especially, I guess, kids that don't get much autonomy at school. Yeah. They have that in in some aspects. Yeah. By 
you saying, right, where are we going next then, guys? Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. And I, I look think... at you like, what? Yeah. You're a guide. I'm like, yeah, but it's your session. Yeah. What do you want to do? Do you want to do more jumps? Do you want to do more scrambling? Do you want to do more swimming? Mm. And they're like, oh, okay. I think as well, especially for school, it's so important because a lot of stuff's dictated to us. Yeah. And it's good to give them that option. And I've noticed a lot with the school stuff, it's the naughty kids that are at the front with me. And I was like, not, not naughty at school, but I definitely wasn't into it. Mm. So I used to not really pay attention or give a shit but they'll be at the front helping me helping each other helping their classmates across like um not jumps but helping them out of the water at like safe points being in the like sometimes i'll put them in the water so they can be like a little lifeguard or or whatever and yeah the teachers always like they're really naughty at school Mm. they're loving this Mm. and then i say to them as well at the end like you can do this as a job you can do it as an outdoor education course it can take you all over the world and they're like what so I don't have to go to uni or I don't have to do an apprenticeship. I'm like, no. No. You can do whatever you want. Just got to exactly. think about what it is that you want. Yeah, and having that belief. Yeah. Yeah. Because we get so conditioned to fit in the, you know, like we were talking about earlier, the boxes. Yeah. Fit in yeah. certain boxes. And I think school, again, another another topic for another day we'll wrap up in a sec but yeah, I think school I mean. can quite often put us in these boxes can't it and then we must think we can't do certain things yeah. like you know make a living out of telling people to jump off rocks yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's it pretty much in a nutshell <laughs> it's not just that but yeah as opposed to obviously it has its as a living it has its downsides it's seasonal and things like that yeah which obviously plumbing is way more secured about that, but it's mm. about coming back to that happiness thing. Mm. Is making money, and I think that would have changed for me if I had a family. That would have possibly made the plumbing worth it, if you know what I mean, to, to support the kids and, and, yeah. and what have you, and, and that's quite admirable. Mm. But for me, there was no reason to carry on with it anymore. So yes, this isn't as financially stable. Mm. COVID, obviously, is a big kick in the nuts. Yeah, yeah, and you can't control that, can you? No, but you just got to follow what makes you happy, I think. Mm. Yeah, if you're struggling with anything, reach out to, like you asked earlier, like therapy was, was definitely the one, for sure. But mm. for some people, that's quite a heavy thing to do straight off the bat. And it definitely took me, I mean, Sammy was saying to, it to me for two, three years before I went. Mm. Um, so yeah, just like we've got with the Man Up stuff, that support, Mindful Men, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah just having that support network around you and sometimes just admitting that you're ready for a change yeah and it takes courage right mm. it takes courage yeah. sometimes we've got to hit that rock bottom <laughs> yeah to have the courage because we want to we're, we're kind of taught to avoid especially as guys mm. avoid emotion just be a man suck it up go, mm. and, go and earn the money go and get pissed up have a fight or whatever and mm crack on yeah and there's only so long you can do that definitely because it damages your health yourself your relationships yeah in the long run mm. definitely yeah and I think definitely we've realised that and that's kind of why we're chatting today as well yeah. to help others yeah see definitely. that you can change the way you think feel act behave yeah and it's a process it's definitely I definitely wanted it to be an overnight thing again a little bit because of society I guess in the way we're programmed yeah but yeah it's just a process and a journey like you said it's 
and that's quite, when you realise that and accept that that's actually quite a nice feeling because mm. it's not going to end so you're always going to be growing and learning new things and yeah learning new ways to be with stuff and yeah. support others I think that's quite quite a nice thing as well that's helped me a lot is supporting others it's given me a lot of joy back in my life to see how much mm. things are helping people yeah it's true because we are better together definitely in a, in a very competitive world at the moment yep but I think collaboration is the way forward I 100% agree with that yeah 100% mm. like again pl- referencing plumbing but even co-steering or sport it's always better when you're with with someone else isn't it mm. the times the times where I would struggle with the most in plumbing is when I'm on my own because you've got so much to think about and that's not just plumbing that can be office work or or anything it's so we, we get bombarded sometimes by work and our responsibilities that it's overwhelming mm. just to have someone to be like oh what do you think about this or should we do that like co-steering it's huge to have another guide who's on the same level as you to just be like oh that looks quite wavy in there for example or this group's a bit nervous do you reckon we should leave that section like yeah yeah and just to get that mm. gratification from someone else is like cool okay let's do that yeah love it yeah love it well thanks for thanks for coming on mate no worries mate. lovely chat thanks for having me hope it's it. all all good yeah mate we'll get it up um, and running and then yeah just anyone wants to go co-steering give me a shout yeah give Sai a shout anywhere to get a hold of you, uh, inst- you. just instagram at the moment yeah so hope adventures uk cool uh i'm still deciding what to do in the future with that but mm. yeah that's the way to get in touch at the moment. yeah insta yeah i'll pop but, that in um yeah. In the show notes so people can get in touch. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. Amazing. Sweet. Cheers, mate. No worries, mate. Have an awesome day. And you? Cheers, guys. Love ya. Thank you guys for listening. I really, really appreciate it. And if this resonated with you in particular and you'd like to hear more about the Revitalized program and the coaching program that I run in helping guys and girls be in the best physical and mental shape of their lives conquering anxiety and living an empowered life then please hit the link in the podcast description fill out the application and i'll i'll be in touch asap thank you